Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here at FCBC, how do we say it, family? We live, we love, we serve. Amen. Listen, a few things before we get to read the scripture. Um, I have to say this because this month is Suicide Prevention Month. And I want to speak about this today. And some may say, well, Pastor, is Youth Sunday, you want a deal with suicide? Yes. And I'm going to tell you why. In this country, black youth, African-American youth between the ages of 5 and 12 are tw- more likely than any other demographic to have suicidal ideations and attempts. I'll give you these stats. Between 2018 and 2021, in that demographic, the rate increased by 37%. Okay. For those ages 10 to 19, between 2000 and 2021, the rate of suicide increased 78% in our community. So we can't act like it's not real. It is impacting our community in alarming rates, the African-American community. We have to speak about it. And we have to be able to have these conversations by young people beyond this sermonic moment. Amen. Also, myself and Dr. Green, who runs our Hope Center, we were in D.C. at a conference this past week. And uh, there's a new crisis, suicide and crisis hotline. In case you know of anyone who may be having suicidal ideations, engaging in self-harm, and it's simple. You can just remember it, 988, like we have 911, 988 is all you have to dial to get help instantly, 988. We'll flash that on the screen over the next uh, few Sundays, but I know it has saved lives already. Um, Interestingly, we heard a story that was shared the assistant secretary of uh, health and human services talked about a young woman who was who Googled ways to, to take her life. And when she Googled it, it directed her to 988. And she spoke to someone and uh, it, it saved, literally saved her life. So we, we're going we're gonna to deal with this a little bit today. So I'm going to do something I don't normally do. Three scriptures I want to look at. Numbers 11. Verses 11 through 15. Numbers 11, verses 11 through 15. And these are the words of Moses. Numbers 11, 11 through through 15. Here's how it reads. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you treated your servant so badly? Why have I not found favor in your sight? that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this people? Did I give birth to them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a sucking child to the land that you promised and owe to their ancestors? 
Where am I to get meat to give to all this people? For they come weeping to me and say, give us meat to eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone, for they are too heavy for me. If this is the way you are going to treat me, put me to death at once. If I have found favor in your sight and do not let me see my misery. Then 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 4. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also. If I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow, then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. And then John, Gospel of John, chapter 10, in one verse, verse 10. These are the words of Jesus. The thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. God, we come now interceding. For, oh God, there are countless names who at this very moment no longer desire to live. God, we send healing power in their direction. But more than healing power, God, we send love in their direction. Heal and deliver, God, like only you can. Open eyes that they might see the value and beauty of who they are. Open hearts, O oh God, that they might be receptive to the inpouring and outpouring of love, of love coming their way. Open their spirits that they will begin to know and fully embrace that they are wonderfully and fearfully made. God, thank you for calling us to be intercessors in this season. To stand in the gap for those who have given up on themselves. We stand in the gap, oh God. And we cry out to you, oh God, to do whatever you need to do to get the glory out of their lives. We thank you, God. We honor you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and just tell him one word. Look at him, say neighbor.
live. Come on, turn to somebody else and tell them, neighbor, live. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I know what I'm about to say may not be grammatically correct for my English connoisseurs in here. But I'm going to say it so that we understand it. Life be lifing sometimes. That's the only way I can say it. Life be lifing. Just as life is filled with moments of beauty and bliss. Life is also filled with moments that give birth to misery and grief and pain. Those days when you feel the grief and the misery and the pain of life. Do not arrive at your doorstep because you're so despicable. Those moments do not show up in your life because you are so bad or so wrong. Constantly over my years of pastoral work, I've had people who raise questions about these rabid inconsistencies of life when life shows up with all of its pain, its misery, its grief. And those who come to seek counsel often think that what they're experiencing, this season, this moment, this sickness, this pain, this hurt, is maybe connected to something they've done. I have to remind them that Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. It's just the nature of life. And I know we wish it were so, but the truth is, when you say you believe in God and trust God, it does not mean somehow you have now some sacred force field around you and nothing bad will come your way. Why? That's life. Life is filled with Again, these beautiful high moments that we wish would last forever and never fade away. But then there's these other parts of life that are shaped by darkness and sometimes even madness and anger and then pain and hurt and grief and agony and misery. And those moments that come our way like that are the moments we wish could just leave as soon as they show up. We wish that life did not present itself in this manner. We wish that life could be smoother and, and less complicated and less trouble and less problems. But again, that is not the way life works. And I know we wish that life could just be simply shaped by those beautiful moments that often bring out the best in us. But here's a secret. Here's a secret. If we had life only filled with those moments, we would be living a half-lived life. Because that would not be real. This is not to say that we ought not be optimistic about life, but it is to say that when things begin to go bad, go wrong, fall apart, do not first begin to look at yourself and think that somehow internally there's something wrong with you or that you've necessarily done something. Why? Because life be life. Plain and simple. It happens. I learned this in my own life with all the health challenges and all the wrong diagnoses and all the bad medication and all the ongoing treatment. And every month have to sit in an infusion center for three and a half hours every month just to give my body some sense of immune system. I've never one time cursed God because something was wrong or said to God that why are you punishing me? No, 
that is life. And to sit there and agonize and be mad will rob me of the opportunity to focus on what is beautiful about this life. No, there are two sides to life, and all of it comes together to make you one whole human being. The rough times only mean failure if you don't learn from them. It only suggests something is wrong if you don't grow from those moments. And the great times you have, yes, be grateful about the great times. Show gratitude because why? If you know there's some bad days you've had and you wake up and it's an amazing day, pause right where you are in the midst of that amazing day and say, God, I bless your name. Oh, but watch this. When you get up on that bad day and you start hearing things you didn't want to hear and life is falling apart, guess what? Lord, I bless your name. Why? Because it makes no sense to be an inconsistent disciple. If I can lift my hands when things are good, I'm going to still lift my hands when things are falling apart. There are those times that have a way of showing up at the wrong time. I wish, I wish, I wish I could always control when those things happen. For those who battle depression, I've been there. I wish I could instantly stop it from happening. For those who wrestle with anxiety, I've been there. I wish I could stop anxiety. But at times it feels like an onslaught of emotion, an avalanche of grief hitting you at one time. And then you feel buried underneath the weight of those emotions that are crippling you. Have you ever been there? How many of us in here today know what it is to battle with depression? Raise those hands. How many of us in here know what it is to battle with anxiety? Raise your hands. Watch this moment of honesty and transparency. How many of us have had suicidal ideations? Raise your hands. You see that? Life can be challenging. And sometimes what we experience is not just connected to life. Sometimes it's connected to the particular life we have. Again, not punishment, just life. And can I tell you, those moments where you wish you were not here anymore, what's amazing about those moments and I know I got some witnesses here this morning to this. Those moments when they show up past the heaven often come right at the moment where you thought everything was going well. That's why the moments and emotions hit you like a ton of bricks. Because just when you thought that you were a, watch this, you thought, Michelle, that the, the lanes were open. There was no traffic and you could hit cruise control. It's in that moment that all of a sudden things start to come at you in your blind spot to dislodge you and at times beat you back. On the heels of the majestic moments can come the miserable moments. You see, this is this is why Moses felt the way he did. I mean, can you imagine one? He didn't really want the assignment he had been given. He didn't want to lead nobody out of no Egypt. God chose Moses. 
And Moses fought against it tooth and nail. He didn't want it. He felt unqualified for the assignment, but we can just be honest. It wasn't that he felt unqualified. He was terrified, afraid, afraid of what, Moses? Of, of having to return to a place he got away from. He didn't want to go back to the place he was escaping. But yet the assignment required him to go back to the very place he was avoiding. God, you got to feel that. He was trying to avoid a place that God said, go back to the place. He goes, he doesn't want to do it because he knows what he was running from. He knows what he was trying to get away from. And he does it. He relents and he goes back. And you know the story. God uses him and that staff to do some powerful things. Red Sea is parted. Right? Like Moses did, they led the people of Israel through the Red Sea, out of Egypt, into the wilderness, on their way to the promised land. But here was the issue. When you read the story, and I've talked about it tons of times here, every time things started going wrong with the people, they started complaining to Moses. I mean, can you feel that? Here they were, no longer in bondage, no longer in slavery, but were quick to complain about life and their freedom. Now, I'm not going to preach about that this morning, but there's something about liberation that's so terrifying that when liberation comes and freedom shows up, it can be so terrifying that you can romanticize your captivity. Sometimes instead of forging forward in the unknown freedom, you'd rather fall back in the familiar hell that you know. They move forward and they're experiencing all these things. And yes, they begin to complain. Every time they complain to Moses, Moses feels overwhelmed. Again, when the things are going well, when Red Seas are parting and, and God is performing the plagues through Moses, no complaints. But as soon as the people begin to complain, Moses feels the weight of the assignment to lead these folk who don't always want to move in the direction of their freedom. And on this one occasion in, in Numbers 11, when the people were complaining about food, and not having enough. Now here they is. They had manna. God had given them manna from heaven. They didn't have to work for it. It just showed up every morning. The seed was you had to grind it and you had to beat it. And they would make cakes out of it. And they were working for it. And it was beautiful. But, but then some people got tired of the diet in freedom. Oh, man, I wish you get that when you get home. They, they were tired of the diet they had in freedom. All we got is this manna every day. We got to wake up and get the manna and bake, pound it and ground it and then make the case. We want a different diet. They had become so fixated on their dietary needs, they forgot they were free. They begin, watch what they tell Moses. At least in Egypt, Moses, we had cucumbers and leeks and we had meat to eat, at least. Can you imagine that? At least in my miserable place, I had a good meal. Really? Well, did you enjoy your meal in your miserable place then? Did you really enjoy what you thought was the fruit in that miserable place? And, and they begin to romanticize the past. They want to go back to Egypt. Forget the captivity. Forget the bondage. Look how this goes. At least we had cucumbers and meat and leeks. Moses said, I'm sick of these people. I'm over them. And the weight of it, Moses says, I didn't give birth to these people. I didn't, I didn't nurture these people. Yeah, God, you got me out here. Watch what Moses says. Under the weight of the complaining people, he says what? God, take my life. I'm tired. This journey is too heavy. <sighs> The life of weight sometimes 
can put you in a space where you just want to be done with it. Oh, I know I'm talking to somebody today. It gets so weighty and so heavy that you just want to be done with it. You crawl up in that bed and turn off the lights and draw the shades and and you just get tired of it. Or maybe you find something to anesthetize the pain and you start drinking yourself to death or engaging in other substances to dull and numb the pain because you hurt it so bad. And then in the midst of your misery and pain, you feel alone and you don't want to be bothered with anybody. And so even when you travel sometimes, you, you get into that hotel, I'm telling you what I know, you get in and you start closing the drapes and you start turning off all the lights and you start crawling back under that bed and not wanting to face life because life is so heavy. Have you been there before where, where you don't want to talk to anybody and all the text messages go with no response from you. You're not answering the phone and you only come out when necessary and people see you when they have to, but you don't want to engage because of the weight of life. And here it is, you with this assignment, this God-sized assignment or this God-sized dream and you still feel the weight no matter what God has done, you still feel the weight of that moment. Well, maybe that's not your story. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're like Elijah where you just had the greatest victory in your life. I mean, the greatest victory. You faced the prophets of your enemy and you destroyed them all. You challenged them to a fight and you won in a victorious manner. You defeated, you had a great victory. And then after the victory, you got some news that some folk didn't like you. Jezebel said, I'm going to do to you what you did to my prophets yesterday. I'm going to kill you, Elijah. Sure, before the end of this day. And here it is. The prophet who had slain hundreds was afraid of one. Oh, you know that. Because sometimes that one person says the right words connected to a trauma you've been trying to dodge. It don't take 200 people to trigger that trauma. The one person with the right words at the wrong time or the wrong words at the wrong time can awaken things you thought were asleep in your life and dormant. And all of a sudden, all them feelings start flooding you again. And you then find some place to get away like Elijah sitting under a tree. And, you know, you start talking to God. God, kill me now. After the great victory. After something good. The weight of something awakened that was painful, then you want to just leave. I know I'm talking to somebody. Sitting there in that alone space, in that alone time, in that solitude, you begin to recognize that maybe in your mind, you're not as important as you thought you were. That maybe, maybe, maybe you're not as significant as you thought you were. You weren't as, as good as you thought you were. And then if you add on top of that, our constant thirst to be validated in the midst of the heaviness of life, then it becomes even harder. Moses wants to die. Elijah wants to die. And there's so many of our young people, whether we want to admit it or not, who are sometimes being crushed under the weight of approval. 
And in part, sometimes that desire for validation or approval through social media may be because they're not getting validation in the spaces and places they need to get it. And we think that their life, we say things like I used to hear, they ain't but 10. Why life so hard? That ain't but nine. What have they got to deal with? What they, they have to deal with more than we could ever imagine because they have access to more than we could ever imagine. When I was a kid, TV went off at 11, 12 o'clock. That was it. The reason why you knew everything on TV because you only had a handful of channels. You knew it was coming on Thursday night at 8, Cosby Show. Like you knew the whole routine. You knew at 3 o'clock after school, Woody Woodpecker. I mean, life was simple. We didn't have access to all this information. We didn't see all these images. We didn't see all these foolish challenges killing people on social media. And sometimes, let's be honest, because as parents, we don't always want to spend the time. It's easy to throw a tablet or a laptop or a screen in front of our kids and say, here, have at it. And it's not a bad thing to do if you're going to monitor and pay attention to it, but you can't just throw it at them and turn your back because you don't know what they're looking at. You hear what I said just now? The greatest and highest number of suicide black youth between 5 and 12. 5 and 12. 10 to 19-year-old increase in suicide is 78% from 2000 to 2021. No, we passed it. They ain't really going through something. We need to find out what they're going through. But it ain't just our kids. It's all of us fall victim under the weight of these cultural moments that are constantly telling us something is wrong with us and we're not enough and live your best life and be like this person and keep up with these people. To have value. No. You got to sometimes tell our young people after you tell yourself, I woke up beautiful this morning and I... And I got up this morning filled with everything necessary to be who God wants me to be. I am not incomplete. Be clear. So I don't need another person to complete me. If somebody else is needed to complete me, that means God did a half job when he made me. But God did a good job. And I can be complete all by myself. No. And stop trying to push yourself into spaces to think that somehow you can be better by accessing certain places that other people go. No. You're missing the point. Thank them for not giving you access because they were too small for you anyway. No. When Moses doesn't think, and watch this, I'm done because we got to go. When Moses, when Moses thinks it's, it's too much. Hey, hey baby. I love, you know, when my granddaughter says pop, pop, it does everything to me. All right. When Moses doesn't know, here it is. He has a problem. He doesn't know what to do. The weight is too great. God, where am I going to get food for all these people? Ain't enough food to feed all these people? Man, kill me. God did. Watch this. If his story had ended there, it would have been a tragedy. If Moses' feeling of weightiness would have ended there, it would have been a tragedy. But then watch what God says. Is anything too hard for me? Oh, God. You, you missed that. Just when Moses was ready to give up, God intervenes and reminds him, yes, on your strength is tough. 
with your power, it may be hard, but is anything too hard for me? Oh, man. I, 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 I have to tell you that in those moments when you're reminded of the sustaining power of God, I said, and the intervening power of God, you ever had God show up and interrupt your moment of misery and you didn't even want God to come and say nothing, but God had to come and slap you upside the head and remind you, I woke you up this morning and I, and I started you on this and I will keep you every step of your life. No. Just because they made you feel alone don't mean that you are alone. Just because they don't want you don't mean you're not wanted. God said, come unto me. Moses experiences God's intervention. Elijah sitting under the tree talking about, ain't nobody left but me, God. What are you going? I want to die. God tells Elijah, go to the foot of the cave. I want you to see something. The thunder comes. God said, that ain't me in the thunder. The cave starts shaking. Calamity comes. God said, that ain't me. And then all of a sudden, this still small voice comes. Now, here's a deep thing. The light, the, the thunder came, the earthquake, all this stuff comes. And watch this. Elijah survived it all, by the way. And God said, no, I'm here. He had to remind Elijah, he said, and by the way, Elijah, you think you're the only prophet left, right? That's why you feel so alone. No, I got a whole bunch of prophets you don't even know about. You're not by yourself. Ah, God didn't say it's anything too hard for me like he told Moses. He had to remind Elijah, you are not alone. You are not by yourself. There are a whole school of prophets out here doing the work. And don't feel like you got to carry this burden by yourself. Live this way by yourself. No, you are not by yourself. And somebody needs to know that today. And I know at times the love you need from certain people you don't get. Ugh. Just say it. There are certain people who don't have the capacity to do for you what is needed who can't bring the love your way. And here it is, here it is. I had to learn that. I had this conversation one time with my own mother. I said, because sometimes you expect people to be a certain way and they just can't be a certain way. And, 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 and then the therapist said one time, would you expect a person with no legs to run the marathon? No, you expecting something from someone who doesn't have the capacity to do it. So why are you being held captive by their inability when they cannot do it? No. You are not by yourself. And then here comes Jesus. Only the thief comes to steal and destroy. Hold on. You mean, God, those moments where I feel like I'm losing my mind, about to lose, that may not even know. There are certain forces at work trying to undermine your best possibilities, especially when the enemy knows what your greatest capabilities. Oh, gosh. Oh, let me say it again. There are forces at work to minimize your best possibilities, especially when they know your best capabilities. I'm going to say it again. There are forces at work to minimize your possibilities when they see your capabilities. You ain't got it yet? Okay, let me say it one time. There are forces at work to minimize your possibility because they see your capability. You still trying to figure it out? Okay. There are some folk who can't stand how powerful you are. And because they can't stand how powerful you are, they will try to stop what God wants to do. But I got news for them folk. Here it is. You ready? Here's the, Here's the formula to tell those folk in case they're confused. You tell them. 
do all you need to do, try all you need to try to undermine my capabilities, to undermine my possibilities. But here's what the scripture tells me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No. Look at somebody and tell them no weapon. No weapon. No weapon. You can try all you want. You will not prosper over me. No, I love this. I'm done. Here's what you do. Tell somebody, live. Tell them to live. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Live. You want to know the secret to life? Live. Enjoy this life. I had a conversation with Joyce the other day. I said, Joyce, enjoy life. Live this life. Have a good time. Do whatever you need to do to celebrate every single day. That's how you beat back the tide of depression. Get up every day and make up in your mind that I'm going to live and enjoy my life and have a good time because I got one shot through this life and I am going to live. Live. You got more on your side than you know. Live. Because the universe is waiting for you. You hear me? You think, and I'm done, that, that life is not worth it. And I know the feelings. I will never minimize them because I've had them. But there are some doors that will not open until you push them. They waiting for you. There are some people who will learn how to breathe when they see you breathing in your hell. So keep on living. There's some folk who will learn how to go through dark times with dignity because they took a look at you one day. So keep on living. There are some folk who will learn the key to life because they saw your joy and knew your pain. So keep on living. You live. You live. You live. That's what you're required to do. And guess what? Living ain't always pretty. It ain't always sexy looking. Sometimes it's just hard. But inside every suffering moment is beauty and strength and wisdom waiting for you. Our young people are, are experiencing death by suicide at alarming rates. Can I tell you something? Don't let these young folk leave today without hugging them, telling them you love them. You here because somebody poured into you. So you better pay it forward. Somebody poured into you. So you do it now. Because you ain't by yourself. There's so much that we want to see from you and so much that you have to show. So live, my brother, live, my sister, live, my children. Keep living because that's the real goal of life. Can I tell you, the goal of life ain't about how much money you got or what fancy clothes you got, what car you have. Counter to what you see on social media. Everybody ain't flying a private jet to Santorini. There's some folk out here who just working 
to enjoy life. Live it. And guess what? Live it your way on your terms defined by you and God. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward.